Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Well, happy Valentine's Day for the 14th, guys. If you're listening to this episode on the day it drops, Valentine's Day was yesterday. But happy Valentine's Day anyway, and I thought I would do a special episode dedicated to all things love today. I feel like I need some music in the background. Uh, Now, I did not know. Look, I'm sure you all knew that apparently Valentine's Day is not just celebrated in Australia, but other places in the world. I didn't know that, guys. But anyway, you learn things as you go. How do you feel about Valentine's Day? I feel like it really depends on the season of life you're in, right? Like if you're single, you just want to pretend it's not happening, right? You want to ignore it. If you've got a bit of a lover on the scene, that sounds so creepy. If you've got a potential person on the scene, it's probably a day of anticipation. Are they going to send me something? Are they going to acknowledge it? Do I acknowledge it? It's just all butterflies and nerves. Maybe you're dating. I feel like Valentine's Day is specifically for people who are dating. What do you guys reckon? Like, guys, once you're married, I don't know, all the married people out there, do you celebrate Valentine's? Cameron and I, we woke up today, completely forgot, then went to staff meeting. Okay, I'm saying today because, yes, I'm recording this on Valentine's Day. Went to staff meeting, and then across the table, I'm like, oh, babe, hey, happy Valentine's Day. Uh, but for us, you know, we have our anniversary in early January. We've just we've just had Christmas. We've got George's birthday coming up. So Valentine's Day kind of gets squeezed in the middle there. But anyway, guys, I want to really talk, unpack today. How did I know that when I met Cameron that I met the one? There's this mysterious, you know, kind of uh, idea that you know, you, when you meet the one that you know, but anyway, guys, first things first, do you even believe in the one? Do you believe that there is one for each of us? I think I have talked about this before because I probably have, no, not probably. I know that I have a little bit of a different take to most of the other pastors that I know where I go, is there the one? And they give the obligatory. Once you get married, they become the one. And I'm like, yeah, but what about beforehand? Like, you know, I I agree. Once you say I do and you exchange those vows, I agree that that person, they are your one. But guys, I don't know, maybe it's the romantic girl side of me, but I believe in the one, right? Because let me give you a few reasons. One of them of which Tim Ross helped me with. If you don't know Tim Ross, good friend of ours, go check out his amazing podcast uh, that he's got. Um, which I think it's on YouTube called The Basement. But anyway, we had a good chat about this one day, but a couple of reasons I think, don't take this as full theology, guys, but the Bible says God has a plan for our lives, right? He says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future, right? Well, why would he have plans for every area of our lives except this one? So, you know, that's just what I think. I'm like, well, God, if you've got plans for my life, then you've got plans for every area, including the person that I marry, right? Now, the person you marry, guys, it is the most important decision of your life other than asking Jesus into your life because it changes the very trajectory of your life, right? So do you not think that God has a plan for that 
I do. And like I was saying before, I believe, um, this is, this, this was the Tim Ross one, which I have shared on previous episodes, but I believe that God puts together certain people to outwork special kingdom purposes, right? Like when you think of Abraham, he could only become the father of many nations through Isaac, right? Like Isaac could only come about through Abraham and Sarah. So Abraham and Sarah were destined to be together because then when Abraham tried it his only his own way, right? He tried to make it happen. God gave him a promise and he's like, well, Sarah's too old. This isn't going to happen. And he took Sarah's maidservant. And then what did they get? They got an Ishmael and God's like, Mm-mm-mm, that's not my plan. It could only come about through Isaac. So anyway, I always kind of have had this idea right from when I was little that my life is consecrated to God and my life is completely surrendered to outwork his plans. So yeah, I was looking for the one. Now, let me give you a little bit of context because I am going to unpack what that looks like, right? Because so many people just do this whole, oh, when you know, when you know, like, yeah, but what does that mean? What does that look like? And I love packing these things. Um, but let me, before I go into that, give you context of who I was when I met Cameron. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you've probably heard me tell bits and pieces of my story, but I never had a good example before me um, of of longevity in marriage, other than probably my grandparents on one side of my family. We've just got a family history of broken relationships. So I really didn't know what I was looking for. Okay. So that's the context that I came into it. So if you said to me, you just know when you meet the one, I'd be like, what the heck does that even mean? So it's not helpful. Like, would you agree for those of you that are single or dating, you'd be like, yeah, that's not super helpful. So I want to break that down for you today because it is true. It is true that once you know, you know. Once I started dating Cameron, I did know. I unequivocally knew that he was the one for me. I legitimately can tell you I 100% knew and I did not have one single doubt. Okay, so when I started writing down, okay, let me think in a practical sense. How did I then know? Like, what did that look like? I thought maybe I'd come up with five or 10 things. Guys, I've come up with 20, 20 ways that I'm like, yeah, this helped me to know. Uh, So I want to go through those. But just before I do, I'm going to get there. Some of you are like, come on, Renee, hurry up. But first things first, before you can recognize that you've met the person for you, you have to know two things, right? Firstly, you have to know who you are within reason. It's not like you have to completely have yourself worked out, but if you're looking for someone to fulfill you, um, that's not a great basis of a relationship. So firstly, you need to have a bit of a sense of an idea of who you are, but you guys, you also have to know what it is you're looking for, okay? Within reason. Otherwise, how can you recognize what you cannot define. Okay. Now I've done a lot of traveling where I'm being picked up by someone at the other end that I've never met before. Right. And usually we get sent each other's numbers like, Hey Renee, so-and-so will be picking you up at the airport. And then upon arrival, usually they'll text me or I'll text them. And we do a few identifiers. Like they usually know who I am because usually I'm a guest that's coming. And so they know, but I don't know who they are necessarily. So 
they'll give me some identifiers like, hey, I'm standing near the bag carousal. I've got brown long hair and an orange jumper. Or maybe I will stalk them on their socials, right? So that I've got a bit of a clue. Like it's not some random stab in the dark that I'm just going to hope for the best that we recognize each other at the airport. So it's exactly the same when it comes to a relationship, right? You need some identifiers of what you're looking for. Otherwise, it's just this random stab in the dark. Now, despite my family background, I did know what I was looking for. Now, I'm not talking specific details. I must say, I thought I was probably going to marry a blonde-haired, blue-eyed person. Well, I got a redhead with brown eyes. So I'm not talking those kind of specifics, but, but I knew what I wanted. I knew who I was. And even though there was some broken parts of me, there was also a confident side of me, right? Where I was not willing to compromise on what I was looking for. I knew the kind of man that I was looking for, which I'm going to tell you in another episode, okay? I'm not going to go into that today. I'm going to highlight, bing, bing, make sure I go back and tell you what it was that I was looking for. All right, but let's get into it. We're going to have to go pretty quick, but um, you know, when it comes to the one and do you know, some people know straight away, but for others, it's a bit of a process. Okay. So just remember that. So like Cameron, before we started dating, he knew, like he was like, he felt God had spoken to him really clearly. There's a story behind that. Whereas for me, it was more of a process. Okay. So, so don't think it's going to be like, oh yes, I'm definitely going to know it does take a process, but I want to give you 20 identifiers that will help you know. And at least if you can't say yes to these, then I would be, uh, they would be red flags for me of, okay, maybe this person might not be the one. Okay. So here we go. Number one, you can be yourself with that person. Okay. When you feel so at ease, that is a really good indicator that you could be with the one. Like even when you are at your most unglamorous and your most mundane version of you, when you just feel so comfortable to be the real you and there's no pretense and no acting, guys, that could be the one. Let me say this too, with these 20 different things, by the way, I felt all of these. I knew all of these. If you're like only able to tick like five of these or 10 of these, I would be concerned. I'm, I'm pretty much, I think most people who would say, yep, this, I feel like I've met the one would agree with me on these 20 things. Okay. Number two, that person makes you feel safe. This was huge for me. I felt like with Cameron, I had landed into a safe harbor. Now your background could be that you've come from a great family, or you could be like me where you come from a broken family. Either way, I'm telling you, when you have met the right person, you get this sense that you're going to be looked after and protected, and you feel really safe with that person. Number three, they know how to break through your walls. So I was not easy with this, right? Like I had a lot of walls up. I had a lot of self-protection and I had never properly been loved by a male figure in my life. And so when you're with the right person, they're not afraid of the tricky spaces of your heart. 
They don't go silent when they see things like, oh, I don't know what to say, or I don't know what to do with you when you are saying these things or when you're crying or when you're feeling upset or whatever. Or maybe you might be the one that goes quiet and they just withdraw too. I'm telling you when you're with the right person, they know how to bury their way into your heart. They don't go silent. They're going to see you and they're going to know what to do with those parts of you. I promise. Number four, you can talk for hours. Like I'm a quiet person by nature. I would say Cameron does more talking than I do. Georgia's like me. She's a pretty quiet person by nature. But when you're with the right person, this strange thing happens where you can just talk and talk and talk, right? It's like your souls are in sync and the conversation flows. Okay. That is a really good indicator. Number five, this is a really good one, guys. I knew that I had found God as opposed to good. Oh my goodness. I cannot stress this one enough. Guys, there will be many choices that you can make in your life And they're not going to be bad choices. They're going to be good choices. But I believe in God-appointed plans. Now, I am not talking about what you had for breakfast this morning, okay? Like, I'm not talking, you know, God's going to tell you what to have for breakfast. Go and have those berries and those oats and that toast, whatever you have. I'm talking about these big decisions in life. I believe in God-appointed plans. And... Let me just tell you a little bit of a story on this one that might explain it, right? I remember when um, Cameron and I, well, I was actually kind of seeing someone else at the time, guys, and Cameron was starting to feel like God had spoken to him and we were meant to be together and I was like confused. And I remember I was at this discipleship uh, leaders meeting and I walked out to my car, the meeting was over. And one of the pastors on our team came running out to me. He had no idea what situation I was in. He did not know the details. He had no idea what was happening. And he said to me, Renee, 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 stop, 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 stop. I really felt God wanted me to tell you something. And I'm like, yes. And he said, the enemy is not going to entice you with bad things because you're just going to be totally awake up to that. But what he'll do instead is he is going to tempt you to settle for good over God. Guys, I will never forget that. And I knew straight away what he was talking about. I had this decision to make. I had these two people before me and I knew that one of them, they were not bad. They loved God. They were would have been a good decision, even a great decision for my life, right? But there's good and there's God. And guys, I'm telling you, I see person after person where I feel like they are definitely settling for the good over God. You've got to find the God in there. Okay. Number six, people that I trusted saw it too with Cameron and I. People that I looked up to could see that him and I were meant to be together. Now, this is an interesting one because, um, uh, I had a one of my parents, I won't say which one, one of my parents, who, by the way, was a Christian, is a Christian, probably um, did not agree in this situation with Cameron and I. Um, and I don't want to go into the story here, but that was nothing to do with, with 
me. That was to do with my parent and some issues that my parent had. Okay. But everyone else in my life, his parents, they knew, especially I remember his dad when I, and I had no idea because, you know, I've told you before, Cameron was this sought after bachelor, all the girls loved him. And then I walk into their house and his dad in particular was like, I just knew that you were the right person for Cameron when you walked in. Now he didn't tell me that till later. Our pastors, they were utterly convinced. Like they were the first people that we called when we got engaged and they actually cried. Like they were just like, you guys are meant to be together. Um, You know, even my grandfather, who was not a Christian, I remember at our wedding, he said to, um, I think he might've said it to me. He just, he said, he actually passed away not long after, but he said to, um, to me and to my mom, he goes, those two, they're going to last. And he had seen a lot of broken relationships. He's like, there is something. And he's been to a lot of weddings. I had a lot of cousins. And he's like, I don't know what it is. Cause remember he's not a Christian, but he goes, you two, you are meant to be together. So there was just this agreement So don't shut out the people you trust most, okay? Especially the people that understand, if you're a Christian, the kind of future that you want to have. I knew that I wanted to live my life with a man of God that would pursue the purposes of God. And so that was really important to me. So make sure that the people that you trust, that understand who you are and what you want for your future, can see it too. Number seven, another important one. We had the same core beliefs and values. This is so important. God is not going to put you together with someone that's got completely different beliefs and values to you. That is not going to work. That is not a great foundation to build in. For Cameron and I, God was always and has always been central to both our lives. Serving God was central to him and central to me. The church is central to me and central to him. Now, there was a study published, a secular study in the Journal of Social and Personal Relationships that suggests that we subconsciously look for partners who might meet our initial needs, right? But people who are looking for short-term flings often find themselves attracted to someone opposite. How interesting is that? Whereas people who want lifetime commitment are attracted to people with the same taste, the same values, and the same goals. Now, Cameron and I are not always the same on everything, right? It's like we are very different people. You you guys would have gathered that by now. But our core values are not different. Our core values are the same. We have never found ourselves to be misaligned on our core values, on the things that can be deal breakers, like our you know, belief in God, the way that we've raised our kids, we are completely aligned. Now, there might be times where I might take the lead on some things and he might take the lead on other things. Like I was always good with putting the kids in routines and things like that. You know, money, he tends to take the lead. But regardless of that, we've always moved in the same direction. You know, the, the COVID stuff was no different. We were so aligned on what we felt and what we thought and what our take was on everything that we were literally a force to be reckoned with. We are solid and united because our core beliefs are exactly the same. Number eight, you cannot see a life without this person. Okay. I could not see. Once I fell head over heels in love with Cameron, which took all of two weeks. I could not imagine my life without him. 
It's like I was addicted to him, but in a good way, okay? I'm not talking a heady emotion. It's more than that. There is a pull that makes you want to be with this person, right? I'm talking like the notebook, guys. Go watch that movie. I wept my way through that movie. I still say to this day, that movie is the story of Cameron's in my life. Like Noah and I kind of remember the girl's name. I'm going to have to rewatch it. But you know, they, they were, they were, um, they would fight sometimes and they were strong willed and strong minded, but they were madly in love. They lived to be old together. And I don't want to, I don't want to give you spoilers, but that movie makes me weep. That made Cameron weep. I remember he watched it on a plane. He's like, babe, you've got to watch this movie. I'm crying. I'm still crying. You know, I want to grow old with Cameron. He wants to grow old with me. I want to be crinkled skin and still be holding hands down the street. I want old love. Okay, so that's how you've got to see, like, I cannot see myself living without this person. Number nine, they feel like home, right? Cameron always has, still does, and I know always will feel like home to me. There is a comfort and a peace that I never had felt before. And I'd only known Cameron for about two years when we started dating. And then we were engaged for only, uh, hang on, March... March, we started dating. September, we got engaged. The following January, we got married. But there was a strange familiarity being with him. He was comfortable and safe. I didn't have to hide things. He didn't have to hide things. And it didn't matter where we went or what we what we do as long as we're together. Even I remember moving to Queensland where nothing felt familiar. And I remember just feeling sick driving over the border and thinking, what are we doing? But, you know, when we moved into our house, it wasn't because our things were there. It's because he was there and I was there and we were in it together. Number 10, it feels like you've always known each other. Like I said, Cameron and I had known each other probably maximum two years before we started dating. And then within the following, from March to the following January, we were married. And yet it felt like we'd always known each other. There was this deep connection and understanding uh, we felt like we felt like we'd grown up together, even though we hadn't. There was this familiarity to us. Number eleven, you make each other better people. This is important too. When you're with the one, the right person, your world is going to get better. You as an individual are going to get better. You're going to make them better. Some people get together, and I watch their world get smaller and smaller. But others. It's like you are amazing alone, but when you're together, you can take on the world. That's what it should feel like. Number 12, you're not compromising on your standards. I knew with Cameron that I was not compromising. Now, I'd been teaching for a couple of years before I started dating Cameron, and all the other teachers used to rib me. When are you going to date? When are you going to get a boyfriend? Come on, who is he? Who is he? And one of the teachers who I love, I'll give her a shout out, Micheline. I adored her. She was one of my mentors and she came to me, really godly lady. And she goes, you know what, Renee? I know exactly what it is that you're waiting for. Don't compromise. Don't let other people put pressure on you. Don't let, you know, anything put pressure on you. And so I remember that just gave me the courage to go, yeah, I'm not going to settle for someone that I feel, not because that person's a 
lesser person, but if you're having to settle on your expectations and on what you want, then that is compromising. And so every other guy that I'd considered or dated, I just felt like I was the one leading. Like they weren't, something just didn't feel fully right. And I felt like to be with them, I had to somehow lower my expectations of what I really wanted in one area. Maybe he met he met expectations in one, but in another one that he didn't. You will not feel like that when you're with the one. You will not feel like you are compromising on any of your expectations. Number 13, mutual attraction. There is crazy mutual attraction. You should be crazy about each other. You know, I'm seeing some couples who act more like they're just friends. And I'm like, that's sad. When I see a couple get together, I want it to be like, look at that. It is, it is fireworks and fairy tales. And, you know, it's like you can see a spark when two people who get together are really in love. It should, you should feel crazy in love. There is nothing wrong with that, guys. Number 14, you process conflict well together. That is a great indicator of if you know if you're with the right one. How you fight will tell you a lot. If you have a fight and he walks off and withdraws and doesn't move towards you, I would be going red flag with that, right? You want someone who will pursue you, not just in love, not because they want to date you, not just because they they want you, but they should pursue you even in an argument, Now, you might not think that's a sign that you're with the one, but believe me, coming from a place where I never saw healthy relationships, this was so important to me. You know, it's it's not a matter too of if you're going to argue, but it's a matter of how it's handled when you do. I knew with Cameron that I was going to be in a safe place. He would not let me leave until we sorted an issue out. And you know, to this day, we are the same. There is no walking away. There is no silent treatment. There is no withdrawing. So our ability to to work through tough issues made me convinced that we were good for each other. Number 15, you've overcome adversity together. You know that you found the one when there's an obstacle that does not get in the way. Now, obstacles can be different for everyone. The obstacle might be that you live in a different state. The obstacle might be that it seems like bad timing for whatever reason. For me, it was a family member who gave us a hard time. But when you're with the right person, that obstacle, it's like, we together are going to find a way around it, over it, or through it, right? Like I thought with me that the obstacles that came up, that they were going to put Cameron off. It was going to be the too hard basket, but it was the opposite. The obstacles united us, made us stronger, and made us more determined. So if you can overcome adversity together and you're with someone that crashes through every obstacle to be with you, you're with the one. Number 16 you will feel grateful over and over and over. Like when you can't believe, when you feel like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that I found this person. And if they're grateful for you and they clearly show it, then you are blessed. Like I was so grateful for Cameron 
And I would say over and over, how did I find you? Why do you love me so much? But he equally was so grateful for me in his life. That is a really good sign that you're with the one. Number 17, they challenge you like no one else can. Now, there are very few people who can challenge someone in a way where they feel really loved. Now, maybe I'm just a super sensitive person, but I find it really hard to be challenged because I take it as a rejection. And Cameron doesn't really like to be challenged because there's not very many people that he listens to. And yet, he there's no one else that I would probably let challenge me but him because he does it in such a way that I feel so loved. And there's very few people that Cameron would let challenge him or that he would listen to except for me. So if you can challenge each other and still be for one another and make each other feel really loved in that, that is a really, really good sign. If they can push you to be the best version of yourself, that is a good sign you're with the one. Number 18, there is a commitment that goes beyond the initial spark. I cannot even begin to tell you how committed Cameron was to me and I was to him pretty much immediately. I would say within two weeks of us dating, we knew that we were going to get married and we were so, con- um, and we didn't talk about getting married, but there was just this sense of absolute deep commitment to one another. Now, I'm not talking about that feeling of exhilaration when you first fall in love. It's easy to feign commitment, to feel like, oh yeah, I'm committed, he's committed, right? Because of that first initial spark, that chemical reaction. Because life can't continue at that level over a long time. But I knew that with Cameron, once that initial spark died down, that there was a commitment that went way beyond that. So many people, I don't think, have... They, they get high with that, uh, that emotion, but they can't see beyond that. But guys, this is one of the most important things that you know. A spark will not get you through 50 years of marriage. Now, it's important. There's still a spark between Cameron and I. Clearly, we still love each other to bits. But beyond that, you need to have a commitment. That's what's going to get you through the hard times. That's what's going to get you through the times when you're exhausted, you've had a baby, their baby's pooing, vomiting. You can just look at each other and laugh and be like, oh my gosh, what's our life become right now? But when you can go through all of that and feel beyond loved, when you know that that person is not going to walk out the door, like never would Cameron and I grab our keys, jump in the car and and go off in, in an argument. Like we just know the D word. We always say the D word does not exist in our relationship. That's That's the word divorce ever, ever, ever. And so, I don't know, maybe it's hard to explain, but I just felt beyond love, loved when I met Cameron and I knew that he was my person. And 25 years later, he's still my person. I'm his, he's mine. There's a deep commitment. You will know. And if you do not feel that the other person is committed to you, run. If you are not convinced that there is a deep commitment for a lifetime that goes beyond the heady emotion, red flag it. All right, number 19, you become an us and we. Okay, so what do I mean by that? You know, when you're single, your life is just me and I. But when you're with the right person, you just slowly find your lives starting to merge together, where you start not thinking about your plans, but our plans. You're not thinking about me, but you're thinking about us. 
And Cameron and I quickly became that. Uh, Our life became about what our plans would be together. And he will make you feel part of his life and vice versa. And within that too, you're willing to make sacrifices. You know, Cameron would have done whatever it took to make sure that we were together. And we still, to this day, make sacrifices. But it's not hard because when it's for the greater good of both of you, it's not hard to make sacrifices, whatever they might look like. And number 20, okay, you're not going to like this one, guys, but I'm going to end where I started. There is a gut feeling. You know how people just say, but you know, you just know when you know. It is true. There is a gut feeling when you truly know, and it really is as simple as that. You just know that they're in for the long haul, just like you are. There's this this inner voice. I call it your inner God consciousness. I mean, hello, we've all got the Holy Spirit as well, right? If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is going to, the Bible talks about a peace that guards you like an umpire. Well, if there's a peace, that is like what I'm talking about. There's just this this inner knowing, this inner sense. And when you're not with the right person, you won't feel it. So if you're not sure if you're feeling that inner gut feeling, I would say that you're not. Because when you feel that inner gut feeling, you will know. I promise you, you will know. So let me finish with this. I hear a lot of people saying that just before they get married, that it's normal to have doubts and it's normal to get cold feet, right? You hear people say that. You hear it on movies. You hear people say it like, you know, it's it's normal. You're getting married in a week or you're getting married tomorrow or you're getting married in a month or whatever. Guys, my, this is just my opinion, but I don't think that's true when you're with the one. I actually think the opposite is true. And that's my experience. I did not get cold feet. I mean, I was nervous, right? I remember we got engaged in September and I felt like maybe I'd be mentally prepared to get married about March the next year, but we kind of had it pulled forward just so that our pastor could marry us uh, because he was busy traveling. And so it was pulled forward to January. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, I'm not mentally ready. But that was just like me kind of being a bit nervous. But in my heart of hearts, it wasn't because I had cold feet or doubts. I did not have a second of doubts. I was never more sure of myself than in this decision to marry Cameron. I was never more sure that he was the right person for me. And 25 years later, we've been married and I'm still as sure as I was back then. And you can ask Cameron when, oh my goodness, I'm tearing up now. This is ridiculous. When I see old people and I see them walking down the street, holding hands or shopping together, just going to have coffee together. I often have coffee at um, a Westfield that's about 20 minutes away. And it's this really nice Westfield that's carpeted. And so older people tend to like going there. And I go into this coffee shop that's not particularly cool or trendy, but I don't know, it's just my favorite spot to be. And I often see elderly couples just sitting there having coffee. I remember the other week, there was this couple next to me. And I kid you not, they would have been late 70s, maybe 80. They kept giggling. They were they were laughing 
they kept talking to each other and laughing and I was doing some work, but I actually put my work down and I didn't want to be creepy and be looking at them, but I just sat there drinking my coffee, listening. And I remember thinking, this is the cutest thing I've ever heard and seen in my life. I mean, not all couples sit there and laugh together and Cameron, although Cameron and I can actually cack each other up, we can really laugh, but I just loved watching that because I didn't have that as an example in my life. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm still tearing. I want to be that. I want to have, you know, Cameron and I look, be old, be 80, sitting down in some cool little cafe, having coffee together. And I want some young person to be sitting near me going, oh my gosh, I want to be like that. So guys, I don't know where you're coming from on this Valentine's week. I don't know whether you're single, dating, married. I don't know where you're at, but I do know that love can be amazing and beautiful and it can be for a lifetime. And I fully believe in the one because I believe that God has a great plan for your life and that is in this area as well. So there you go. I didn't mean to end it quite like that, but there you go. Go back over this. But I'm telling you, if you're dating right now, go and listen, write those 20 things down and see how many of them you can tick off because I want you to be able to tick off pretty much all of them because if you can, then you're on a really good wicket. Guys, I love you so much. Thank you. I am so honored that you've come to listen today. So I hope you just have the most fabulous week and I can't wait to be with you on Friday. Until then, have a great one. Bye.